Here at Text Talks, we constantly strive to spotlight authentic music trailblazers, which is why we're excited to have Text Talks styled by Ray-Ban this summer, helping us in our pursuit of featuring artists who are not afraid to be their authentic selves. You've got the look. Now come and have some fun with us in the sun. Together, Text Talks and Ray-Ban are saying, if you've got a challenge for us, no matter what it is, you are on. You can't predict the light, but with Text Talks and Ray-Ban, you are always ready to capture it by living each day in the moment. You are on. Define your style at superbulous.com. Welcome to Tex Talks. I am Tex, and today I am talking to a self-taught producer, DJ, and performer who rose to prominence as one half of the multi-award winning com duo Destruction Boys. Credited with taking the genre from the streets to Hollywood, this charismatic artist recently embarked on a solo career playing and producing a subgenre of com called Umkunkulu, characterized by its hardcore and hypnotic heavy bass sounds. I am, of course, talking about Tobani Quinton Mgobozi, better known to all of us as Q. Q, welcome to the show. How are you doing? Hey, hey, Tex. Um, I'm good, thanks. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Uh, I'm waiting for the next family meeting patiently um, <laughs> so that we can figure out what is happening with our entertainment industry. I'm sure you are, you are also doing the same. I am. I'm I'm literally in front of my screen as we speak. So here at Text Talks, we like to take things back. So I want to know, when you think back to your childhood, what are some of your earliest memories of growing up in Kwamashu just outside Durban? Cool. Um, it, it has to be um, being in the streets with my friends, um, playing football, um, Coming from home from school late, um, getting into fights, being a part of groups, you know, growing up. It's a lot of things, but I have, if I had to take out one, it would have to be, you know, just seeing how everyone, you know, correlates. Um, it's a different place, the township, you know, and uh, in, in one way or the other, everyone has everyone's back, you know. And I think that's one of the main things I remember growing up is that... Um, with everything I had going on, um, I could always count on, you know, a neighbor or an uncle or an aunt uh, with whatever it is that I needed. So, yeah. Yeah, it's that beautiful sense of community. But if you were yeah. to walk down the street on a regular day, what music would be bumping from your neighbor's house or like the taxis? What sounds do you associate with your childhood? Funny enough, there's a lot of diversity, you know. Um, so in the township, there's old people, there's young people. And when I was growing up, mainly the old people would play music on their radios, you know, um, mm. because it was it was, it was was their radios. And uh, there's a sense of ownership that goes down to being an old person in, in, in I can say, African <laughs> culture. So if you're, you're an adult um, and, and you, 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 you acquire some, some things, you own those things, and children growing up, they respect you for that. Um, so they would say, this is my uncle's radio, this is my uncle's car, um, this is my uncle's yard. 
um, but it, it teaches us a lot of respect. So me growing up personally, um, I, I, I got to listen to a lot of music from my granddad who recently passed away. Um, mm-hmm. So he'd play me the likes of uh, Umparanyana, Soul Brothers, Teddy Pendergrass, uh, Lionel Richie's, all your soulful stuff. Um, so every Sunday, um, I'd, I'd, I'd have a masterclass, so to speak, on on, 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 on on soulful music. And he'd play all these jams for me. And that, I, I think that's where it all began for me, that that would be a regular day for me because he'd go to work, come back, and I'd have to take off his shoes, take off his socks and make him tea and some, some cake and actually listen to him speak about how his job was. And he'd get to play me all this amazing music. He would he would make you make cake for him. I what a g. What kind of cake no, would my, you make? My, uh, no, my my grandma would bake. I'll just make tea and I'll bring uh, the cake for him. You would also eat the cake, obviously. Obviously, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it sounded like your grandfather had really, really good taste in music. Yeah, no, he did, man. Um, I God bless his soul. Um, I miss him very much. So yeah. I also read that you and Gold Max, the other half of Destruction Boys, essentially mm-hmm. knew each other from day one because your parents were friends before you guys were even born. But before you guys, before the music, right? Yeah. Do you have memories of you guys hanging out regularly or was the vibe between the two of you? Yeah, um, so we used to play for the same soccer team. Um, ah, we literally, okay. like you say, grew up together. So we we played football together. Um, we went uh, bird hunting together. Um, we did a lot of things bird together hunting. before the music. Yes. Um, so we literally take. Um, I don't know what this thing is called, but it was a rubbery thing. So we put it on a tree log and we shoot birds mm-hmm. with it. You know, um, that's where everything began for me. The bond with him. Um, the music only came after we started adolescent, you know? That's when the music came, mm-hmm. when we were st- trying to figure out ourselves, um, us growing up and being young gentlemen. Um, that's when the music came, um, when the stages came. But when we were kids, we'd just do everything that other kids were doing, go swimming, um, play football, um, bird hunting, and all of those things, yeah. You were just like regular old dudes, just just chilling, just like little friends. But then talk to me about that adolescent phase when, you yeah. know, like you said, you started to become young gentlemen and then the music came along. What was it that sparked that creativity for you, that passion for music for you? Yeah, so when we started high school, um, there's, there's this thing called explosion. So it's um, every end of a school term. So here in South Africa, school term is three months. So term one, term two, term until December. So after mm-hmm. every school term, you get your results. And at that day where you receive your results, there's a party called explosion. So us being from Guamashu, you'd get a group of kids from Guamashu, a group of kids from the other townships that hire a taxi and they'd go to a certain destination. They'd play music from those taxis. And nice. so we started making mixtapes of of, of people's songs um, so we can play in these taxis when we go to these parties and and it grew it grew to a point where we started making our own music to put in the mixtapes and the way people liked what we were doing so much they started saying oh, you guys are distracting us with your mixtapes that's how Destruction Boys came about because before the mixtapes there was no Destruction Boys it was just us mm. being a collective and just making mixtapes from other people's music but when we started making our own sounds 
that's when people were like, no, you guys are destruction arts with your mixtapes, term one, term two, blah, blah, blah. Um, so, yeah, and that's how everything came about. We started being known as Destruction Boys because whenever the school term ends, you know, we'll see. The, the mixtape that's about to come is going to be a fire one you know because these guys have been making music for three months and now the day is finally here for you guys to, to, to listen to what they were making Destruction Boys because you're literally about to like burn the shit down <laughs> it was the craziest thing because I remember this one time we went um, to the explosion and the way our sound was so crazy and so raw um, the taxi we were in had these light bulbs that would turn into every other color so it would be like Yo. a disco in the taxi and the way the sound was so pumping and it was so like crazy all the light bulbs burst and when we came back home the taxi was dark because it was so hectic in the taxi that it just burst all the bulbs <laughs> i love that oh my god but what was it like you know juggling playing parties and uh, you know into the morning hours and then also going to school the next day like what was that kind of hustle like um it was crazy and for me personally my parents were very strict you know i had to like make mm -hmm. sure i was good and fit to go to school and not just attend you know um but yeah. make sure i get my good grades and i i i, I participate in everything that's going on at school and it started getting really difficult um making them understand what it is that I wanted to do and also with making them understand that I can still juggle school with what I was doing. And it got so hectic to a point where at some point I had to leave my mother's house and go live with my granny and my granddad. Oh, wow. And I think my granddad was the most supportive person at that time because he could understand what I was doing and what, what I was doing it for. And he could see, I think, even better than I, what was about to happen uh, because he had the most amazing faith in, in not just my, myself, but with everyone else that I was doing stuff with, um, Colmax and all my other friends that we were doing the, the Colm work, you know. And mm. I found solace and I found uh, a sense of peace when I stayed with him and I was able to go get through my education and, and, and do and do well, you know, because of that support that I got from him. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure that your grandfather must have been incredibly proud of the fact that you are also self-taught, which I always think is incredible. Um, but in terms of like the equipment that you were working on, what gear were you working on to produce your beats in the beginning? Uh, phew, we were using a Windows um, computer. I don't even remember what computer it was, but we were using Fruity Loops. I think it was Fruity Loops 10 or 11. I'm not Yo. too sure, but it was like the early stages of the Fruity Loops. But it was, it was, you know, it was amazing because it was just something so simple um, and would use the most simplest of sounds and would use the, literally the, the, the nothing of everything. And it, we came up with this amazing um, 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 beats. You know, mm. so I, I, you know, I, looking back, I applaud myself and everyone else that was making music at that time, especially if you, you didn't have enough money to actually buy Fruity Loops, the whole, the whole software, but you actually had to crack it somewhere, somehow <laughs> and be able to make amazing thing, like, music out of it. If you've got that drive, right? Like you're going to find a way to make music. Like when I interviewed Nasty C, he was like, I crossed the river <laughs> to go to my friend to record in a shack 
where we like yeah. padded the 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 sides with whatever we could and it was a homemade microphone and we yeah. were just determined we were determined to do it and that's like if you've got the drive and if you've got the want you're going to make it happen regardless for real um you know and when you have that drive you pick up things along the way that make what you're doing and make you have 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 different things of making sure what you're doing sounds better so at that time our music was sounding better to us because of what we had around us but as we started meeting other people would gain skills um, gain equipment gain all of those other things that made us just, just keep making better and better music mm. there's a very cool short video clip on your youtube channel where you're thinking back on your journey and you yeah. talk about these two opal courses that your grandfather bought. And you mentioned <laughs> dropping the top on the white one and then turning it into like a fat party. I have to hear the full story of this because I just feel like there's there's a proper, proper story behind this. Yeah, so like in high school, I, I, I was I was the guy, you know, I was that guy. Like if you needed something, I was that guy for you. We're having a party and you needed a DJ. Even at school, if we'd have like discos and for fundraising and stuff like that, I'd, I'd put together the sound and I'd make sure the event goes prim and proper. So this one time mm -hmm. there was a fundraising event. Um, I, I, I don't remember which cause it was for at school, um, but we had to put together a disco and we had to DJ and kids would pay like five bucks to come in, um, enjoy, um, have, have hot dogs and have cool drinks and then I think it was like two hours after school, then they'd be able to leave. Um, so at that time, I had to bring the sound to the school. The guy that was supposed to bring the stuff, um, I don't know what happened to him and he disappeared on us. And I had to call my brother oh my who was at home to, to help me out. And he was like, you know, the only car that's here that's available is the drop top Opal Corsa. And I don't know if the sound can fit. And then I had to make sure it was gonna fit. And then he was like, yeah, okay, cool. Then we went to fetch the sound and we were just bouncing the sound, you know, and it was so cool, like driving into school in a drop top, you know, you're in your early highs and, you know, everyone, all the girls are looking at you. You're like this Mr. Cool guy, you know, <laughs> <laughs> it was the most amazing thing to see, man. I think that's also where most of the things that I do come from, you know, um, mm -hmm. it's the love you receive from people and acknowledgements from your peers. Look at you know, you're actually doing a great job because if it, it, it isn't it wasn't for you you know we wouldn't be enjoying ourselves like we are right now and it, it gives me a great sense of joy to be able to make other people you know happy hmm. tell me as a whole right where was gom before destruction boys like who was making that type of music at the time there was a lot of guys um matanon uh Bicha, Leg was doing some stuff. Um, DJ Gukwa, DJ Snati, Mreza. There was a lot of guys. But I think what differentiated us from them was we came into the scene. We we branded ourselves really well. We dressed, you know, um, mm -hmm. um, we dressed nice. We looked good. We were presentable, to say the least. And we cleaned up the sound because most of the sound that was there at that time wasn't really edible to the human ear. It was just really hardcore. So it had to take a, some, a person that understands it for what it is to enjoy it. And what we did with it was we cleaned it up a bit so that mm. 
the greater people can actually be able to take it in and understand it for what it is. You know, um, we made it less raw than it originally was, and it worked in our favor because we were able to now join, you know, commercial vocalists with our sound and all those mainstream people that we necessarily couldn't before because they wouldn't understand what we were doing. Talk to me a bit about cleaning up the sound. Like, would you say you gave the genre a bit of structure? Because I feel like there's a sort of formula to Tkom now. Uh, the intro yeah. comes in with the beats, then you introduce some samples, like then the vocalist sings and does their thing. Then there's the breakdown, then the buildup. Like, would this be your formula or something that would resemble your 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 structure? In a way, yes. Um, with our with the way that we put the songs together, you know, our arrangements of the songs, um, it really helped put shape into into the sound and the system itself. Uh, because Gom in itself is a song that doesn't really follow the normal rules of music, you know. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. So you really could just do whatever it is that you're thinking in your head, as long as it's it's got heavy bass. <laughs> And, and it's pumping then that's all you want you know it could just literally say the same thing for seven minutes and you'd be fine with it <laughs> because it's so like unconventional Munye. you know <laughs> literally like it's so unconventional um, and people enjoy it in it being unconventional you know but at, mm. at, at at the points that we wanted to come up as well we we tried to put some some structure into it to make it at least follow certain norms in the music uh, business and in the industry and music as a whole for us to actually have a room to be accepted in a way uh, yeah. and I think it worked perfectly because we wanted to be accepted and once that certain level of acceptance had been there would break the rules again <laughs> it was literally just putting our foot in the door and once that foot was in we can just put the other one and just do whatever it is that we wanted to do who were some of the people around during that time that you were like, wow, these people are doing dope shit. Like, that's incredible. I really need to feed off this. Uh, I think for us, there was a lot of guys, you know, making gom, but no one was really as, as big in the gom scene. It was just mm-hmm. other guys doing other sounds like Big Nas, Professor, DJ Tira, DJ Socks, DJ Bongs, Okay Malum Cool Cats, Ricky Rick, all those other guys that were making music, you know, different genres of music. Um we were the first people to come up with the poem the way that we did. So we necessarily didn't have a person to look up to in our sound, but we're looking at other people from different genres of music. Obviously, you can't look in your crystal ball and say, you know, what what might have been. But I feel yeah. like if Destruction Boys didn't come along and clean up the sound, right, maybe... Or might not have made it out of the townships because it was too like hard and too raw, you know? I don't yeah. know if you maybe feel this way. I have a lot of feelings, you know, but I think the one thing that I feel the most is, is we did our part, you know, and we're still going to mm. do more than what we did. Um, I'm, I'm very glad that we were able to break a few barriers and boundaries and, and, and take literally what's township music um, to the rest of the world and have mm-hmm. the world really um, enjoy it as much as we do. Um, I th- that me- that means the world to me, you know. Um, anything else above that, I-, I don't really care, you know. I know what we've done and it's it's 
it's it's changed the world. It's changed a lot of people's lives, minds as well, you know. So I, mm. I, 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 that's where I am with with everything. Um, I, I I have no bad feelings, no vibes with anyone or mm-hmm. anything like that. I'm just really all about the sound, and that's why I'm still doing it now, even after so many years. So before we continue with the episode, we would just like to tell you about something that is very close to our hearts over at Text Talks, and that's the people of South Africa. During these unprecedented times, those who are the most vulnerable have had to shoulder an almost impossible burden, the daily struggle to find food. The never-ending lockdowns have made an existing situation worse, with those in need struggling to find a solid meal. Enter SA Harvest. SA Harvest is based on four essential pillars, and one of them is engagement, involving the community in reducing food waste and alleviating hunger. This is achieved mainly via a program of volunteering, where people and corporations donate their time to SA Harvest's efforts in the community. So head on over to saharvest.org and find out how you can be a part of the solution. And now back to the episode. You know, one thing that I love about your performance and I've got to see you twice now before the world locked down sure, and we all just went into hibernation um, yeah. you guys incorporate the dopest dance moves and I can see that the music was like moving people on another level almost like a spiritual level somewhat because people just get so entranced with what they're listening to and with your performance talk to me about dancing to the genre like are there any specific styles of dance that are more specific to kom um yeah there's actually plenty funny enough that you speak about um enchantments and dance um because i've been going to the gym lately just to get my stamina work and so I can be able to dance because I used to like dance like really crazy and mm-hmm. then we started just being super super busy and I couldn't practice I couldn't rehearse lost my crew and all of that but I'm actually looking at going back into the dance because I've noticed that with all the songs that I've been taking out um, I've been getting a lot of people um, doing dance routines rehearsing to them dancing and, and, and putting together sequences and and I want to re, re reinvigorate that part of Gom because a lot of people have fallen off the dancing um, and it's become mm. more like a club thing without the dance move. Uh, but when you look back into how it came about, it was first the dance moves and then the club, you know. Um, mm-hmm. And and that's what I want to to bring back again. So yeah, man, dance is really a huge part of Gom uh, because uh, uh, before what would happen is you make a song. And and when we were making a song, literally how the beat goes, we'd make moves that literally matched the beats of the song. And mm. once we got in that move, we'd name that move, and the name of the move would be the name of the song. So it would all be conjoined together. So it's like when you're dancing, you know, you know what I'm dancing to, you know. Mhm. Mhm. Yeah. You know. You know. It's really difficult to talk about Destruction Boys without mentioning. Like, it's yeah. it really <laughs> is an iconic track now in, I mean, not only in South Africa but internationally because it was really 
Back home, it was where Gorm crossed over onto the radio and started gaining popular momentum. When that happened, right, when it started exploding and every DJ was playing it on the radio, every DJ was playing it in their set, what's going through your mind at the moment? I don't know, man. Back then, we were just young kids, you know? And we hadn't really made our way out of the locations. So we were still staying Kwamashu. And now and again, we'd come to the... To 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 the suburbs to make music, double mumpy and babes and DJ Tira. So everything was just was new to us. How everyone lived and how clean the place was. How different everything was from how we know it to be. You know, mm-hmm. it was just unbelievable because for one, we'd never imagined ourselves to be where we were at that point, you know, our phones were always ringing. Um, people were always asking us for something, whether it be musicians or just people from around where we live. Um, and we had to adapt really quickly because when you start getting to that level of, you know, of work and an understanding of how everything goes, um, you always need to take a step back and just see everything for what it is um, because it's really easy to get clouded mm. with everything that's going on. Um I'm not going to lie, you know, it was um, intense, you know. Uh, at one point, you don't have a car to get you to your gigs. And uh, on the other hand, when things start popping, you always have a guy that's t- willing to take you everywhere you want to go for for almost close to nothing, you know, and that tells you um, everything that you need to know. Mm. And then after Wololo, you go and you drop Omunye which was the track that was used in the Black Panther movie. And that's a huge deal because now your sound's gone international and you guys are making history. How are you and Gold Max at the time reacting to having the music, like, of basically of your streets reach Hollywood? Because that's yeah. a whole nother level. See, I'm not going to lie. Yo, we were rocking that time. <laughs> <laughs> I, we were rocking that time. Yo, I'm not going to lie. We'd have, like... Sure, in a weekend, we'd have like three gigs on Friday, three gigs on Saturday, three gigs on Sunday, two gigs on Monday. Literally, we were live, living off the Lord's Prayer. Like, I, I, I really don't know how we got over that, but it was the craziest thing because there wouldn't be a weekend where we weren't working and there wouldn't be a weekend where we'd be working maybe once or twice. Because mm. every part of the country and the world needed a bit a piece of destruction, boys. And we came through, man, we delivered. Um, we made the most of that time. Um, I gladly enjoyed it. Um, and I'm just really glad I, we got the opportunity to push the sound to the furthest corners of the world and, and have those people where we're at enjoy themselves um, like the people of the locations would when we were playing for them growing up. And that that was a ticking point for me. You know, when you play for someone in the UK, but they dance to you like... There, your next door neighbor, Wamashu. That's when I knew mm-hmm. it's, ah, we're coming through right now. You know, if they can pick up the vibes from the locations, and 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 they could have the same reaction to the song as those people that really understand the sound for what it is, then then I'm happy on the inside. Was there ever a time where things got like a little bit overwhelming? Like you said, everybody wanted a piece of you from all corners of the globe. Was there ever a point where you had to just take a little bit of a step back and regroup? 
yeah, man, and that time would come now and again. And luckily for me, I I I I I, I always had my parents. Um, I always yeah. had a lot of people that I could speak to. And I, I I didn't mind switching off my phone and just disappearing for a day or two just so I could pick myself up. And as the times moved forward, you know, I got to grow up a bit. I got to have a girlfriend. I got to have someone I could speak to and have someone who could only listen to whatever it is that I needed to say to them. Um, and it helped me a lot, you know. Um, I, mm-hmm. I got to dance less when I wasn't working, you know, because there's working and you're dancing when you're working, and then there's dancing when you're just having a good time with all of your friends. And that took up too much of our time. And I got to do a, a little less of that so I'd have more time to recover from the gigs and be able to work. Tell me about the drama behind Omunye, because I heard that there were some radio stations that didn't want to play it because they thought that it was over-sexualized. Uh, and then after you explained what the song was about, it was all good. But please clear up for me. Like, what is the song actually about? What does Omunye mean? Um, so basically what the song was about is it, it's we're at a house party. It's packed. Literally, there's no spa- space. So everyone is standing on top of each other. So it's literally people are piling on top of each other um, mm-hmm. just so they can enjoy the atmosphere um, and all the vibes that are at this party. Um, but when you listen to it uh, in, in, in a lele way, then you're going to get your own ideas. And that's really something <laughs> no one could do about the song. You know, but it's literally about a packed party. You know, Destruction Boys are there and they're making the most um, of the CDJs and everyone wants to come in. Even in the video, people were jumping the fence just so they could come in. And what? we try to literally when you watch the Omunye video, there's people jumping the fence so they could just access the party. Um but I guess that that narrative wasn't really one that people wanted to go with. So with your massive success that you've had, suddenly, you know, the whole world wants your yeah. sound and you travel everywhere. You travel across the States to the UK, to Spain, France, Canada, everywhere. And out of all of the countries that you traveled to for the first time, what would you say was the biggest culture shock for you? I think for me, it has to be the UK, man. Yo. Really? I know those people can rock. Yo. Ah. <laughs> Yo, those people can rock. During the summer, it's like they lose their minds. Like It's like, okay, there's winter. <laughs> We're wearing our coats. It's raining every day. Blah, blah, blah. But when the summer comes, it's it's a totally different atmosphere. To each and every festival that we went to, whenever we'd come in, everyone would lose their minds, take their shirt offs. It was the craziest thing. And growing up, think, I was thinking to myself, okay, I'm going to the UK. These are the Queen's people, you know, respectful people. Fuck off! Get out of it, you wankers! Go on, you Gaelic! Fucking garlic breath tossers! Respecting the culture and all of that. But when I got there, it just it was like I took a piece of South Africa with me. Um, because when I look at how we are this side, we, we're not any different from them. When we say we're going in, like we're rocking, then we, we, we are fully invested in what we're doing and we go inside and we rock. 
but there's so many people from South Africa that have moved to the UK. I'm sure you bumped into like at least one South African. I bumped into a couple. I bumped into a couple, yeah. <laughs> I bumped in, and they're all asking me about their friends back in, in SA. I'm just like, but how can I know your friends? <laughs> I'm just like, <laughs> I don't know, but I'm sure they're good wherever they are. And people in the UK, they, they jammed. They jammed to Destruction Boys? They were really going crazy over all our songs. You know, all the songs that would play, would get on top of the CDJs, pump it up, we'd pump it up, we'd pump it up, we'd get into the mosh pits, we'd do the most craziest things that we can't even do here in South Africa and they'll be so acceptive of it and they'll just keep pushing us and pushing us to our limits whenever we'd be playing. It was the most amazing thing to see. You know, it's the most amazing experience I wish for every other home DJ out there to experience. Mm, sounds great. But then you come home, right? And you yeah. go to Kwamashu and I'm sure that the people treat you like somewhat of a like God there when you're walking down the street, I'm sure. It's the craziest thing, you know. Destruction boys. Um first first it's the tax, you know. It's the tax. After the tax <laughs> They were rocking explain, after the tax. For, for, for all my listeners who don't know what the tax is, explain what the tax is. <laughs> so okay, what the tax is is when you grow up in a certain part of the location then when you make it and you're able to go out and make the most of your life um, you always have to pay a certain type of tax when you come back um, mm -hmm. and just for merely making it and, and making everyone proud so it's like you've made me so proud but you have to pay me it's not the other way around when <laughs> if if <laughs> If, if, if you make me proud, I'm going to pay you. Nah, if you made us proud, now you have to pay for making us proud. And you've done so great for yourself, man. Keep doing amazing things. It's like you're paying for well wishes, you know? But yeah, it's, 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 it's amazing to see, man, how everyone is so proud of what we've done because you've not only raised our flag, but we've, we've given them hope, you know, because it's not, there's not a lot of, there's not a lot of great things that happen where we come from, you know? Um, there's a lot of violence, mm. a lot of crime, um, and a lot of ugly things. So whenever something good happens, it makes everyone, you know, to to be happy and to be hopeful on the inside that each and every other person that's coming up can be can be able to follow suit. And that's mm. what makes me happy, you know, seeing everyone um, smile whenever I drive past, whenever we're crying or having something that come through. When we're shooting music videos, the whole location will just flood and it supports us until we're done. But how do you maintain that authenticity of an underground sound once something like Gorm grows commercial? Like, do you go back to your original releases like, and listen to them just to keep you on track? Or how, how do you like, keep doing what you're doing? Um, I, for me, personally, I, 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 I took it a step back, you know. I took it to where it began for me. Um, I took it to the first song that made me fall in love with the sound. Um, I took it to the first mixtape that I made, um, to everything that I was listening to back then. Um, and that's what I'm doing now, you know. Uh, it might be done now, but it has those elements and that feel of when I was falling deeply in love with the comb sound. And that's how I keep myself, you know, in line and in check with everything that's going on because there's a market for everything and everyone, you know. Um mm. And when you find your people and you find your way of making things and it works, 
you know, you just stick to it and you just keep improvising and making it a better version of, of, of what it was, you know, and that's what I'm doing right now. It's making sure that I, I, I keep the goal alive for what it is and for how I know it to be. And to that sound that made me fall in love with Gom, you know, that's where I am mm-hmm. right now. Even with my recent releases and the stuff that I'm going to be releasing also, uh, it's that it's that hardcore, you know, um, semi-filtered, um, heavy bass Gom um, that's got the, those hypnotic tunes to it. Um, that's it's it's got sing along voxes to them, you know. Yeah, we lose our and all those vibes. Yeah. Um, that the people like, you know, they they don't like a lot of singing on Gom. You can't really sing a lot of things on Gom, but you can just say something that's gonna keep moving with the song until it 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 it, it climaxes, you know. And that's what I'm doing now. I'm just making sure whatever it is that I'm doing, people can relate to, uh, because if they relate, then it's easy for them to to you know. To, to, to keep singing and singing over again. I'm happy that you mentioned your solo stuff because after you and Goldmax decided to go your separate ways and work on your own individual music, and I know like there was no beef, it was purely just time for you guys to explore your own musical evolution. But now that you're making music by yourself, how different is it to be in the studio working alone or to be in your home setup working alone? Like, do you yeah. look... Do you look for gold max every now and again, or are you like, okay, cool, no, I'm I'm on my own mission now? Yeah, for me, it, it it's been really easy because the sound that we were doing together, is Destruction Boys, is not the sound that I'm doing now. Um, so in a way, in that sense, it hasn't really been hard for me to 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 make music on my own and or to find inspiration from everything that's around me. Um, if I was doing the stuff that we were doing together as Destruction Boys, then it might have been a bit hard. But for me, it's just me purely paying homage to the sound, making sure that I make the most of the opportunity before me and to to say thank you to the sound, uh, you know, to all those beats that made me fall in love with Gom. That's that's what I'm doing. And that's where I'm, 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 I'm getting all, all of my inspiration from you know from those taxis that we used to be in um growing up from those heartbeats those unfiltered sounds um so that's where i'm solely looking at and i'm looking into the club now people groove and the house parties and the dark side of gold um that's where i'm getting my inspiration from but you know he's he's my chi so i gave him a call now and again see how he's doing and and, yeah, and, and cool. how we can be able to make stuff again You know, it's been a really tough time for everybody this last year and a bit with our continued lockdowns. But one brand that I feel like has been a complete rock star through all of this is Jägermeister in the role that they've played in the support of their artists. How beneficial has Jägermeister been for you in what they've done, especially with their Save the Night campaign? I've had the most amazing relationship with Jaeger. Um, during the first lockdown, um, when I was making my first solo um, titles, you know, <clears throat> so we don't play the same comb. Um, I got through my sessions solely because of them, you know, and they were able to offer me a platform to showcase all the stuff that I was doing um, on my own. And it was the most amazing thing because once people start to see you 
um, associating with brands, then you start taking you seriously, you know? Um, yeah. And before that, I wasn't really doing a lot of brand stuff. Um, but when they came on board, I think a lot of people also started opening their eyes to what it is that I was doing. Um, and they started appreciating it more because they could see that other people could see the vision and what it is that I was about. So they really came through and they've saved, you know, not just the nights, but they've saved uh, um, uh, a lot of sounds because it wasn't just a calm thing. They were doing it with all the other sounds as well. And people mm-hmm. were able to create content during lockdown, you know, because during lockdown, all you can do is just make music or, or just stay at home. But they were able to give us um, something that we could look forward to, like creating content and making sure that it's presentable and it's the best that you can do. And that's all you need sometimes when you don't have really much to do. And tell me, Q, what's next on the horizon for you? You mentioned that you've been working on new stuff. So give me the the scoop. I'm working on the craziest bunch of music right now. Like, I'm even scared myself. (laughs) Um, So I'm working on some really dark club, club bangers. Um, title People Are Burning so I had another name for my EP but um, I got a bit of complications with it so I came through with another tune with my best friend Umat Danon so I've been working on a lot of music with him and I think on my previous project I worked on a song with him called Mago Wrong Cigarette which simply translates to if it's wrong then it's right you know so mm-hmm. I'm doing a lot of uh, amazing stuff with them. I'm working on a song called People Are Burning. Um, and if you translate that to everything that's going on right now. So in Gom, there's this thing where a lot of people that listen to the dark side of Gom, they take, they're taking a lot of stuff, you know. They're taking a lot of alcohol and all of those things. And mm-hmm. whenever people are drunk or people are having a good time, um, you would say people are burning, like they're burning. Um, so if you you if you're drunk and you 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 taking your shot you're burning or whatever the case might be you know, so I've made these clap bangers to 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 show people the other side come you know the more enjoyable side you know the side where everyone's happy and everyone's having a good time and that's what this new EP that I'm working on is going to be about you know all those bangers um, that no, people necessarily don't hear on the radio. Q, I just want to say thank you for joining me on Text Talks today. Thank you for coming in and teaching me about tax and about people like what people are burning means and people all of burning. these things. <laughs> Listen, you you've been you've been so incredibly educational and your story is so inspirational and I can't wait to hear this new music that you're bringing out and just see your new chapter unfold it's been a real pleasure yeah yeah. thank you so much for having me man it means a lot and shout out to everyone Ich bin der Schiss, ich kotze am Mann, jetzt hilf uns
Neighborhood in beautiful Cape Town, South Africa. Shout out to Tom's, the only music store for keeping us connected. From me, your host Tex, my producers Jonathan Ings and Matt Lewitz, and our researcher L Clapper. Catch you on the flip side. <laughs>